Are we going? Oh, no. No, we no. You are such <laughs> We're a not turd. recording. Matt, so tell us about all that uh, crazy a, ass shit you were saying before. Admiral Akbar would say, it's a trap. <laughs> it's not a trap, Matt. Well, I just got some feedback on my first revision of stages from certain people, and I've taken <laughs> that feedback in and already modified them and going to look at them again. And So you're saying you took the feedback and made the stages better? I mean, that'll be up to the people that come shoot it and then provide feedback at in august but i well, hope they're better i'm sure they're lovely welcome to practical shooting after dark we're here to talk about shooting on deck tonight the korean brothers kim and park uh hello our man in area three mr hopkins hi yeah hi all right well gentlemen got a little bit different episode i have a couple interesting questions Oh, came do. in to talk about okay. i have a fun topic to talk about hey it's okay the hits okay. keep on coming and joel you have a thing to talk about you have my interest peaked yeah, yeah. tell me more you had his curiosity <laughs> but now you have his attention that's what you need to know <laughs> well, you wrote them down so, also what you wrote the questions down no 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 oh no. All right, go ahead, Mr. Joel. No, I'm interested now. What do you got, sir? <laughs> I might not want to know. No, you don't want to know, so just go ahead. All right, fine, whatever. Um, well, I've been doing a lot of carbine training, and, uh, of course, I get questions about, you know, setups and stuff. So I actually have a show-and-tell, but it's not, it's not maybe not super interesting. Um, so I'll talk about it more for the audio listeners. But I want to talk about carbine slings a bit. Um so I've had a couple different ones I've used over the years. Um, and Ben Ben said it really, really cut to the, cut to the chase. We were talking about slings when you were here, Ben, we were shooting. And, and I said about how important it is. And Ben goes, well, yeah, duh. The sling is like, you know, a holster for your rifle. I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I hadn't really thought of that. But it, it's pretty true. So anyway, um, I prefer a sling that's easy to manip manipulate with, without, like, lots of extra tails or garbage or super complicated like gimmick stuff so i just like you know it sounds simple you just want something like straight up just going to hold your rifle to you that's easy to adjust if you need to and i don't need like something you know special or crazy whatever um so actually i actually have two slings so, i really like uh, joel sorry. i'm sorry i'm sorry to interrupt but did, did i really say that you it's did. a it was, holster for your rifle you did it was excellent it made sense <laughs> do you not that, remember this you're probably freezing to death at the time no that's that's the type of thing I would say. You did. What was it? What was the Stevie quote about movement? Like it's like grip, but for your. What was that? It's like uh, grip, but for your feet. Yeah. It's a stance. He <laughs> said stance is like grip, but for your feet. <laughs> that's Steve. That's Newell. great. That's man. a classic. That's Steve is excellent. That's classic Steve Newell remark right there. <laughs> Steve is excellent. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, a couple things about a carbine or when you're thinking about a sling. One, you should use obviously pretty, uh, there's a couple different mountain types. Um, you can either have like a loop or a lanyard that you loop through where the, the, the sling is like permanently attached to your rifle. Uh, or you can use the QD mounts. So you basically just press it on a button and it releases from your gun. I don't really have any, you know, emotions one way or the other. You know, people like different stuff. One thing that I think is super huge 
uh, to adjust your sling is having some kind of a pull tab. So, well, I'll get it here where the, I guess the YouTube people can see it. But basically to tighten up your sling when it's on you, uh, this is the Edgar Sherman sling, which I really, really like. It is probably my choice of any of them. Uh, it's just got a little, this little plastic loop and to tighten up the sling, all you do is just pull on that loop and that's that's it. It's gonna make it, you know, shorter or longer depending on how you have the, the sling set up. The other one I use quite a bit, uh, my homeboy Lucas, the T-Rex arm sling. I actually like this one a lot too. It's basically the same thing. Um, other than this one's just a loop just with nylon as opposed to the piece of plastic, but it basically accomplishes the same thing. So you can make the the, uh, the sling longer or shorter based on just pulling that tab. So um, anyway, other than that, I guess I don't have anything too crazy to say for the attachment points. There's a bunch of different options. So Ben, you and I run ours a little bit differently. Can I normally, give some feedback and just say that you've, as you've normally done, you just located the best piece of equipment there is and you're just telling people about it yeah that's accurate well so my homeboy that, my homeboy that's kenny, really what that's the thing you're not saying my homeboy kenny has <laughs> basically every sling and all the cool gucci like ninja turtle stuff so i just go to his house he's got like a wall full of like sbrs and cans and all this stuff so i was like i was thinking about buying a sling which one do i want so he just gives me all these different ones i'm like oh it's obviously one of these two and after messing with them all it was the edgar sherman or the t-rex sling so um, and then briefly talking about attachment points, there's a couple different options. I don't have a carbine in this room, but uh, forward of the receiver, normally it'd be like a QD mount in the in the forearm. Uh, that's a good spot. Normally most people use for forward. And then for the back mount, there's uh, an end plate right behind the receiver that some people like. You can put them on the stock. There's a couple different options. And for that, I would say you should just like actually use the rifle and training and manipulate where you're doing load, like reloading the gun and using the charging handle, all that stuff, and just see what you like the feel of the best. And then there's a lot of good guides. Uh, even if you don't buy a T-Rex sling, you should definitely go to their website and watch the videos they have for sling setups. Because I've watched some of them on YouTube and it's, being straight with you, it's a nightmare. They make it so confusing. So anyway, if you go to the T-Rex site, even if you don't use their sling, it was just easy, like, oh, measure this many inches down, whatever i know ben's getting annoyed with all this setup gear setup crap <laughs> uh but anyway having a sling that's actually set up properly for you and comfortable makes using a rifle way easier and just like if you had a holster that was like for the wrong gun or way out of whack this like using them both ways having a sling that's actually appropriate for the rifle and easy to operate makes it way easier to use a rifle and i'm way more like likely just to always have that on the rifle and use it I think the the loop design is pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, when I shot the uh, Maxis two gun match, which you had to like transition from pistol to the rifle, the the loop. I'm not a loop guy, but <laughs> the loop was pretty important. Mm -hmm. uh, so easy to grab it. Pretty important to like you know switch from like because you, you have to like in that match you have to run in a terrain uh, with the uh, rifle hung behind you things like mm -hmm. that. Yeah, so regardless if you use like the loop or like this one's got the tab, it's basically just pulling it either towards you or away from you is going to make the sling longer or shorter and then setting it up properly so it actually fits you. But yeah, totally. Then it's super yeah. handy and the rifle stays like snug to you. So you're moving around just. Is the um, loop metal or plastic? It's just nylon. Okay. And I'm assuming they did that so it doesn't matter like what terrain or what like what you're in. It's not going to break or anything like that. It's just the and same material as the sling. Is is the link kind of a soft material too? 
Uh, it's I don't know. It feels like a plastic ish, but okay. it's like harder. Oh, it's, and then the other it's, thing, it's just a hard plastic. I think I've seen. Yeah. It. yeah. Oh, and then one the other, of the sorry. No, no. Go ahead. One of the sling I have. So the one I use at the match has a metal link, and then it really scratched out of the whole you know coating of the gun, and it's like sure. all scratched up. So like I would recommend not metal, because it's, it's if you have really pretty coating on your rifle too, it's gonna wreck it. And then Ben, I'm sorry. Last thing. Um, so normally they like they'll have directions for how you thread it through and how you secure it. You'll have extra material when you get done, and normally like some people will cut that and then burn it so it doesn't fray or whatever. Since like I'm not absolute to anything and I'm still dinking around with this and finding different ways. All I do is just take the extra, kind of loop it back on top of each other, and then wrap it with electrical tape. So it's super compact. It's absolutely out of my way. But if I ever want to make the sling like longer or shorter, if I want to adjust it, I can. Because otherwise, if you cut those and like burn the ends, you're pretty much married to whatever it is, unless you're, or you're buying a new sling. So this way, it gives you options if you don't like it. Because I'm always like trying different spots of my rifle, and like, oh, it's easier to load this way, or bolt lock, or run the charging handle, or whatever. So. Anyway, then you don't limit yourself. You still have options. Or, Ben, you can just locate the slings, the Edgar Sherman slings I told you to buy, and I'll put them on your rifles and adjust them for you yeah, the next time I'm I need I'm your there. help at my place. you got to come up here and help me. Well, I need so to... some things out. <laughs> you know. I do. All right, Good guys. topic, Joel. Yeah. That was an amazing topic, Joel. I could tell you. Ben was just well, falling asleep. <laughs> Riveted. Hey, that's all right. Helpful, we're gonna man. we're gonna spice it up a little bit more. I want to talk to the uh, the peeps who followed. I think all the drama with the board leading up to this uh, uh, bylaws change, because I think that's kind of the end of uh, the end of a chapter, I guess, in our little. I don't know. Matt and I we had a war declaration. That's the first. Chapter yeah, I heard of the war. A bunch about that. Did you? <laughs> oh yeah. You get in trouble for that. <laughs> can't talk about that. <laughs> I'm sure you can't. <laughs> Which makes me sure you did. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's the end of the first chapter of the war, and uh, you guys might think it's going poorly uh, because of the bylaws change, and uh, maybe you. Uh, I, I've seen. Like I've seen the meme with the like USPSA is dead and buried with the board of directors giving the peace sign over the grave. I think that meme is uh, too much. I think uh, all all that's happened is for the, the few thousand people that watch this whole thing play out, they understand that fundamentally we need a new board. Um, that's really all that's happened. Um, but that was see the thing is, and this is the thing that's hard to see right now is that was always the situation. It was just that those few thousand people didn't know it was the situation. But now through the uh, the board's actions and a little bit of commentary from us, people understand what the problem is. So there's really no reason to uh, be all doom and gloom about it. Actually, uh, we got what we wanted and, and then some out of this whole thing. I don't know if you have anything to add, Matt. I mean, the only thing I really want to add is, I don't know if you're even going to get into this, but the elections that we have oh. coming up. So yeah, this will be this, the next. This chapter. current year, we have Area Four and Area Seven up for election. Okay, that, now Area Seven, we have Lee Cabana, 
Yep, he's the current Frank Grizzy. Yep, Frank Grizzy, our man in Area Seven. Yep. Now in Area Four, we have an interesting situation where Chad Stanton joined you in voting against uh, this uh, this bylaw change bullshit. Yeah, and it's not the first time that Chad has a has went against the grain of the board either. Right, he Chad voted was against the production. Uh, yes, the flashlight. flashlight. Yep. Yeah. So I don't know. I'd like to hear something from Chad about where he stands on kind of this stuff. You know, if uh, yeah, he's, I think, if he's I think, willing to listen or he's going to fundamentally oppose these people, like that'd be nice. Yeah, I think it'd be good to see that. We uh, have Bill, well, we, Billy G's running against him. Yeah, I, I think, mean, I just like because Bill. of that stuff. I like Bill because he, he's a lawyer, right? He actually is a lawyer. Yeah, so I think that I think that would give the that would be hysterically funny. A very good diverse set of people on it at that point. So I think I think Bill would fit onto the board very well. I would like to hear something from Chad because I think we should. I think he should be heard out. Uh, I think like so if too. he if he's breaking from these guys or whatever. I mean, not entirely. I'm not saying he's going. He's going to be on Team Matt, but maybe not on Team BOC either. That's good enough for me. You know. Yeah. So that's this year's election. I think, and we also have the special election for president. We talked a little bit about that on the last episode. That's yeah. That's going to be Bruce Six versus Matt with a little bit of uh, Money Penny and Yemen. And uh, I've heard there's Todd another. I, yeah. There we go. Okay. <laughs> I've heard Todd was going to run also, so. Basically, every dumb motherfucker you know is running for president. Including myself, right? <laughs> not me. No, not including <laughs> myself, including yourself. No, me, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> including. That election is this, uh, what, voting takes place in May. Might yeah. be as long as September till we actually have a, an elected president in, depending on the runoff, which I'm pretty sure is almost guaranteed at this point. Unless the board decides to do something with the pay and a couple of people drop out because of that. Never know. Um, you just think with the number of people running, nobody's going to get a majority of the first pass. Correct. Yeah. There's, it's almost impossible. Yeah. The next, which I think is actually the most important election cycle, is 2023. Where we have Area 6, Area 8, and the full-term for the next president after the special election. Yeah, area six. Six, yeah. Yeah, area six and eight. Yeah, so there's been people that have come out and announced their candidacy for two in area six and one in area eight. So unfortunately, Bruce six seems like just uh, like there's two Bruce sixes, right? There's the dude. Doesn't he always wear like the Navy veteran hat? It's a Vietnam veteran hat. Yeah, okay. So you've always per, a perpetual veteran hat, dude sitting on a stage, working the stage. There's that Bruce Six, who's like a nice guy, I think. I've never seen any issues. Then there's, you put him behind a keyboard and make him area director, and he's a complete disaster. I mean, I'm not trying to be unfair or anything, but yeah, a bunch of people in Area 6 are running just to get that guy out of there. There's been there's been a bunch of people that have talked about it, asked me questions about it. There's two people that have officially announced it on the 
Area 6 Facebook page. So Area yeah. 6 could be a very, very interesting election, which it, it has potential to have more candidates than the, the upcoming special election for president. You never know. Well, the idea is we just have to pick one when the time comes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think there'll be enough info put out within yeah. the next year that we'll be able to see who's kind of... In Area 8, that's a ways off as well, but... Uh, yeah, it's next know. summer. It'd be nice to beat the POCs there as well. Yeah. So Matt Nash has come out, said he's going to run. Oh, Ted yeah. Murphy, the sitting area director, said on a a different podcast or whatever you want to call it live, I guess that he's happy that people are saying they're going to run for these offices. So. Well, we'll see how happy we'll he is. We'll see. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's go to some questions. Hello, Mr. Stecker. I have a bit of a strange question about ensuring target focus with a red dot. If a shooter is blind in their non-dominant eye, how would they be able to check if they're really target focused? I assume including the dot wouldn't work because then they wouldn't be able to see the target at all. Yeah, I'll just, uh, I can answer this. You uh, you would check the same way you check with iron sights. Tell me more. What does that mean, Ben? I have an you idea. Check the same way you check with iron sights, which means you, then you actually have to think about it. Be like, oh, okay, was I focused on a spot on the target? Was the target clear with me looking at a spot versus was I looking at a nice clear front sight. Yeah, where's your vision at and what's the sharpest? Yeah, you actually focus? have to assess it. Like so if, yeah, if your front sight's super clear like you see the serrations and the target looks fuzzy or if the target looks crystal clear, super sharp, you see like the perforated letter or whatever and your your dot or your sight whatever is just kind of like a it's not really in focus, it's kind of blurry but it's there and you know where it's at. Is that fair, Ben? Yes. Good. Who else wanted to talk? Good Matt? Uh, what I do is I just like when I'm looking at the target and the dots there, I just like move the gun out of the way, just lower the gun and see if my vision changes. I like so that. That would be that would be one option also. Professor. Uh, yes, the, the things you guys already talked about are very good. Uh, there's one more way that I personally did long time ago because I, I have really bad vision. Uh, so one thing I did is, with, this was with the iron side, by the way, but this can, this, I tried with the red dot as well. So I would just set up a target or maybe put a marker on Sharpie or like a small paster. And then you just present the gun next to it and then try to look at that marker as sharp as possible, as clear as possible. And then now try to shift that vision back to the front side or back to the red dot. And then you can visually see how the tape or things, uh, it, it cannot be too close, okay? You have to have some distance to the target. So when you see that visual focal depth change and which get blurry, which get sharper, that's one visual feedback that you're focusing on, on a certain thing. So you can differentiate by visual feedback. And also you, there's actually called something called ciliary muscle in your eyes that actually uh, changes the, you know, the lens in your eyes, actually changing the focal depth, things like that. And if you actually try to go like a, as fast as possible, look at the paster, back to the front side, paster, front side, paster, front side, you do that back and forth, back and forth, you start to feel the actual muscle changing the feel. So it's kind of like if you, if you do the bicep curl, 
you should feel like a muscle bicep really tensing up, right? Working the muscle. So there's actually sensation when you are changing the focal depth as fast as possible, back and forth, back and forth. So whenever you feel like, okay, you're looking at the target and the dot comes up and you feel that focal depth muscle changing things, then you're probably changing the focal depth back to the red dot rather than staying on the side. So there's two ways to do. One, use visual feedback, which 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 is blurry, which is clear, things like that, and also the muscular sensation feedback. But that muscular sensation feedback, unless you actually trained it and try like going back and forth, back and forth, oh, this is what it feels like in my eyeball when I squeeze that ciliary muscle. So there's actually sensation, but you have to train and like develop the awareness awareness of the muscle. Otherwise, you won't really feel that. So going through those two processes will definitely help identifying if you're you know, target focused or not. Once again, guys, this is why we call him the professor. Kim was nice enough to let the rest of us talk a while, and then he just answered the questions. Jeez. All right, let's go to one more. One more question. And this is probably for Matt. It seems there's a lack of competition for the BOD spot since it's a purely volunteer job. I was wondering what your thoughts are on some type of compensation for BOD members, let's say 1K per month or 12K a year. No one would make a living off being an area director, but we hope we get some more uh, competition at election time. They could fund the BOD pay by firing the crayon eater that put the media presentation together. Um, Hopkins, what do you get for being on the board of directors? So there is no pay. No you actual get some salary. Stuff comped, right? Yes. Yeah, I was just going to go into that. So there is a travel budget for the area director to travel within the area. That can be used to go visit clubs, go to matches, attend matches. They that does not is not covered by that does not cover entry fees for matches. So, yeah, they'll pay your mileage to go shoot them to go to a match, visit a club, meet people. But talk this to is people. only up to like five k a year, right? Yeah, it's five thousand dollars a year. Okay, you and you could all there... if you choose not to use that money or you have money left over or choose to support an ro class or within the area you could use that same money to pay to host a, uh, an ro class or something like that also so i can ask you this because you've kind of been both um yeah. is this harder or easier than being a match director being an area director yeah it's harder so i'm I have to have a caveat on that. I came in when there was a ton of stuff to do. This bylaw change bullshit. The bylaw changes, yeah. We we literally met for, I think, nine weeks in a row starting the first Tuesday of November. And then we took one week off and met another well, week. Well, they had so, to get this done to make sure, you know, so certain we, people didn't have any power. I mean, yeah, it had to be done, right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> um. We had meetings before that. I think we had, so since I came on in September, we've had what one, uh, probably fourteen meetings since September. So what's that? One every two weeks, or, or maybe a little more. Uh, minimum two hours each time. We had a meeting in person where they paid the travel to go to the in-person board meeting for all the area directors, uh, hotels, airfare, all that stuff. We didn't get rental cars for everybody. 
Uh, they paid for some meals and expenses through that. We did shoot a match together, but there's some there's some benefits. Also, USPSA, as being an area director, will pay for you to attend a one nationals every year. Will they pay and for any dinners? They pay for food and stuff. Yeah. What about like tourist dinners? It for DNROI. Yeah. Yeah, they pay for that. Like outside of the in person. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's part of the travel for DNROI. Okay. <laughs> just telling you what it is. No, I'm just waiting. I'm uh, just, they pay. You know, they pay, pay for DMEs like, travel also to matches. Like, and hey, they you pay know, for, like the more you know. They pay for DFOs travel. Do it. Oh, Joe wants me to do it. I didn't say anything. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, how much like would you guys spend on a dinner? Like, if the whole board ate at the dinner. Like, what would be, like, the most that anybody would spend? I don't know. It was uh, probably pretty expensive, honestly. <laughs> so there's some perks to being an area director. There's definitely perks, yeah. It's not like you're doing it for free. It does take uh, some amount of time. I think in the next few months, I'll actually figure out what it normally takes. Like, if we have one meeting a month where it's a virtual meeting, uh, probably two to three hours. I'd probably say three hours is probably more likely. And then the big thing is running your area match. Does every area director do that? Run the area match? Yeah. Or they I would say up. most don't. Yeah, most don't. That's what do they what do they do? Do they just farm it out to like a trusted group of a club to run it then? Is that how it works? Yeah, I think it depends on the area. Some people like let clubs bid on it some people uh run the match fully like chad and sherwin have done and how i'm going to do it this year where i'm the match director doing setup doing stages kind of coordinating all the sponsors stuff like that some area directors took on and they did all the sponsor stuff and let a club host the match uh it's kind of up to the area director how they want to do it like how much how involved they want to be or anything like that but it would be profitable to the it would be profitable to the club financially to hold oh, yeah. the match. Like if they wanted yeah. new like new props or whatever. Yes, easily. I've I've done the budget this year and I think it would be hard to not make money on an area. All right, Matt. So to answer the original question that the guy sent in, do you think compared to being a match director, being an area director is fine? Like the five K travel is not nothing. The bougie ass dinners at the in person you know yeah whatever other be benefits there may be like it's good enough I th I, it's not like I think a bad deal paying, it's not a bad deal no not at all i think paying people i don't know that i don't think right now it makes any sense honestly at some point does it Maybe when well, the work is so much that it would, but you're talking like a forty thousand member organization or a hundred thousand member organization. Like a hundred thousand member or a hundred thousand member organization. It might make yeah. sense. There's no way the org can honestly even financially do that right now. Yeah. Well, well. All right, guys another bang up podcast 
listeners, if you have any questions you'd like the answer to, go to bensteger.com. Send me your questions. You know, thanks for listening.